And welcome back, everyone. This is the David Hahn cast. I'm your host, David Hahn. And uh, I missed the mark again. I'm trying to release these things on a Monday. But, you know, things get in the way, like being tired and having a baby and work. But here I am, episode number six. Uh, what's going on? Uh, went to the shooting range earlier today. And I got to fire for the first time my Mossberg 930 that I purchased about a month ago. And it went well. It was, it was pretty awesome. I never fired a shotgun before. And so what I did was <clears throat> I signed up for a one-on-one lesson uh, with, you know, to go over gun basics. So went over some gun basics uh, with the shotgun, went over some gun basics with a pistol, and I don't know how long that took. I'm thinking maybe it took more than an hour. I'm not quite sure. I lost track of time, but we went over things like, um, you know, how to, how to check if a gun is loaded or not, how to load the gun, how to unload the gun. Uh, went over some basic safety um, protocol, and then we went down to the range uh, to shoot, and uh, that's where the fun was. And I gotta say, um, <laughs> my first shot on the shotgun, I uh, was a little timid because I, I didn't really know what to expect. Like I said, I'd, I'd never done that before, so I did. I did what a lot of people who are new to firearms do is there. I was anticipating the shot and um, I didn't do very well uh, on the first shot. But once I got that out of the way, you know, it was pretty smooth sailing from there. But I got to say, that was a lot of fun. Um, You know, I I look forward to doing it again. I have a lot of respect for firearms. Um, You know, they kind of scare me and... So, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, turn that little bit of fear into competence. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll become a gun nut, but I want to know as much as I can about them. Um, at least to where I can have a, a conversation with some of the people I know who know everything there is to know about these things. But, yeah, I'm looking to, you know, go in on another one-on-one lesson. I don't know when that's going to happen um, because my instructor, who, um, st- <laughs> oddly enough, uh, before he got into um, firearms instructing, he was a television writer. And uh, I talked to him about that a little bit. And he said he wrote for the um, Person of Interest, that TV show, Person of Interest. I think he said it was his first writing job. And he was pretty successful at that. He did a he did a couple of other shows, and, and it seemed like they were sort of police, military oriented shows. Really cool guy, and you know he knows the ways his way around firearms. Um, you know, obviously, and he told me that in March because he hadn't worked in so long, in general, just leading into the lockdowns from the pandemic, that. You know, he figured he was he was into guns. He loved guns. Uh, he was going to get a job at the range, just to do something, and become a firearms instructor. And then the pandemic hit, 
and then the riots hit, and now he's booked a month out. And so really the timing regarding that couldn't be more perfect. So he said he's not going to uh, schedule any new appointments until mid-November because he wants to see what happens with the civil unrest regarding the election, which is a little ridiculous, but I understand. I kind of feel the same way. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, anticipating what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I look forward to getting back out there. I can still go to the range my, uh, you know, myself or, or with someone else. Um, but the way things are going, there's a line. You got to show up to the range and it's first come first serve. And you just sit there and wait, uh, wait your turn. Uh, ranges now have a 30 minute, um, I think a 30 minute time limit on on firing so i guess that's good you know it it, it doesn't uh you know it it, it means that people aren't going to be waiting outside uh, like they're waiting to get the next playstation or something so uh stay tuned about that i'm gonna i'll be talking about this as as i go through all of it uh, what else? So I guess the Bachelorette's happening, and um, I'm going to sit here and pretend to you uh, that my wife makes me watch this shit, and this is why I'm talking about it. But I am uh, so I'm watching this maybe last week. And as of this recording, I guess there was a new episode, and I passively watched it because, you know, my wife likes watching this stuff. So I just remember last week watching this episode when, you know, that, that part where the guys get out of their fucking cars and they introduce themselves to the bachelorette who apparently is, is a, um, is a bachelor bachelorette veteran. Uh, it's the chick from Sacramento. Um, so I forgot her name already because it doesn't fucking matter. But the thing that stood out for me was this guy, he, he, he drives up in his fucking old-ass station wagon with a bunch of shit on it, and he steps out of his car, and he admits to this woman, who is the bachelorette, that he packed up his entire life, put it in the station wagon, and drove out to be on this show. And my first reaction was, well, this will be your last day on the show. Look, women don't want to be with a dude who can pack their entire lives into a fucking station wagon, all right? You know, least of all, 39-year-old chicks who go on to a show again to find somebody. So, um, yeah, uh... <laughs> You know, people don't understand that women, they, they date and marry across and up. And that's just a biological inevitability. It's just how things go. Uh, you know, on the rare occasion, of course, someone's going to say, well, you know, I know someone who, who married and married a guy who, who made less than her. And, well, you know, it probably didn't end well, did it? Just saying, all right? And as predicted, uh, he was booted off the show uh, after the first ceremony. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess 
a word of advice to any potential or a potential uh, guys who are participating or contestants on the Bachelorette, um, maybe maybe comes come with something a little stronger than uh, you know I packed my life into my station wagon to be on the show to see you. Dude is from West Virginia, so uh, I can't. I don't think I can really imitate West Virginia that well. So, um, <clears throat> what else is going on? Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna put my wife's BMW up for sale. Um, she has a 2012 BMW 5 Series. I want to say we purchased this fucking thing. What is it? May of 2018, I believe. 2017. I think it's, I can't remember. I think it's 2017. No, it's 18. It's 2000, May of 2018. And so we're finally going to sell it. She's had it for less than three years. And, um, you know, it's time to move on. Uh, you know, um, for those of, for, for, for those who, who know me, um, know that I've talked about this car, um, you know, in private in that, uh, the first nine months of owning this thing now, now mind you, we've had a warranty. So we bought an aftermarket warranty and it's a very comprehensive warranty. It's a really good warranty. So, uh, in the first nine months of ownership, there were $9,500 in repairs done to the car. Now, we didn't pay for all that. Probably paid for about 1000 of that. I'm not sure. But uh, $9,500 $9, in repairs performed in the first nine months. And I think total, we might, I think we're at $15,000 right now. Uh, she just took it in for some service and some things that needed to be replaced. And I think that was another three grand, most of which, again, covered by warranty. So the total repair invoices for this thing are $15,000, which is about what we want to get for the car. So, you know. um, But on the bright side, uh, everything that can go wrong or break with this car, um, or that normally does go wrong has been fixed so hopefully we can use that as some sort of a leverage to sell the thing it's also got a transferable warranty good until june of next year and um you know the smart thing to do would be to get something like a honda or a toyota suv some more room family car you know but we don't do that around here. Um, we like to live life on the edge, or as some people like to call it, be fucking stupid. And we're going to get a Porsche, a Porsche Cayenne, um, six or seven-year-old Porsche Cayenne. Now, why would we do that? Well, it's a Porsche, and they're cool. And we're car people. We like cars. Um, but... Porsche's track record, especially since about 2011, is way better than BMW's. It is the most reliable German car uh, out there. Um, It's, along with Lexus, it it changes every few years, but Lexus and Toyota are some of the most dependable cars on the market, 
according to J.D. Power and Associates, uh, how they rank that is they have um, sort of a three-year study where they track um, reported problems per 100 vehicles, I believe, uh, from new owners or lessees or whatever the fuck it is. No one, no one buys cars these days. Uh, you know, the luxury brands, um, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, something like, uh, you know, 50, over, over 50, 60% of new purchases are leases. But uh, Porsche has shown consistently, at least, you know, over near the past decade to be one of the most dependable vehicles um, out there. And so, you know, the, the problem really is, is when you start replacing parts like brakes and uh, wear and tear items, maintenance is expensive. And when something does break, it's really expensive. But, you know, we plan on warranting uh, the car. So we're going to buy, you know, three to five year warranty and then um, just be done with it. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I, on the other hand, will probably just be sticking the Japanese cars mainly because I can I can fix them. And by Japanese cars, I mean Hondas or Acuras because I'm familiar with them. I can fix them. Um, I just like to get them used over 100,000 miles and uh, just sort of deal with it that way. So a couple of things I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, first of which would be um, a news story that I read or came across out of San Diego from NBCSanDiego.com. It says the San Diego Unified School District changes grading system to quote-unquote combat racism. So it's going to overhaul the way that it grades students. So let's delve into the story a little bit. Um, I'm skipping down to about a third of the way, and the first thing that stands out, and this is what the media does, um, you know, they, they play loose with the language, and people don't catch the subtleties of how they, how they phrase things. But this says, according to data presented by the district, under the old grading system, teachers fail minority students more than white students, a lot more. Teachers don't fail students. Students fail themselves. Teachers present work in a curriculum, and there's a standard of which you're supposed to fucking reach that shit. If you don't reach it, you fucking fail. So it's not the teacher's fault that you fail. It's your fault. Now, listen, they're shitty teachers. I've had some. But by and large, it's pretty fucking clear what it is you need to do to get a good grade in class. Now, it says here, during the first semester of last year, 30% of all D or F grades were given to English learners. Well, yeah, if you're learning something in a country that speaks mostly English, you're not going to do well. If I went to fucking France and was learning French while trying to go to school there, I'd be shitty too, regardless of the fact that I'm Asian and genetically inclined to do well in school. So further, it says one in four, 25%. Oh, thanks for pointing that out to us. Couldn't fucking do the math. They have to do that for the stupid people. Uh, 25% of failing marks went to students with disabilities. Uh, I like how they didn't, you know, they didn't go into any specifics there. What kind of disabilities are you talking? You know, is it like a double amputee? Um, is it gym class that they failed? Um, what about deaf students? Um, you know, 
You know, I like how they, they're vague, purposefully vague, uh, to sort of push their point. Um, it says, by ethnicity, 23% went to Native Americans. Uh, we're talking about uh, D or F grades here. Uh, 23% went to Native Americans. Another 23% of failing grades went to Hispanics, and 20% of D or F grades went to black students. By comparison, just 7% of failing marks went to white students. Again, why? I mean, are, are, are we supposed to just fail white kids just because to equalize this? And also, why omit Asians? Not a single fucking mention of Asian Americans in this entire article. It's San Diego. You go to any fucking school, and you're going to find a lot of Asians. So I like how they conveniently omit Asians from these statistics, but then they probably use Asians to, to, to tout their diversity statistics. But this is what these assholes do. And so it goes on to say, in an effort to change that racial imbalance, the school board voted unanimously this week to make several big changes to its grading system. Unanimously means the entire fucking school board is retarded. These people are fucking stupid. These people run an education system. I'd rather, I'd rather teach my kids at home. <laughs> I'd rather just like be unemployed, teach my kids at home, than have them go through this bullshit. Um, so it gets better from here. It says academic grades will now focus on mastery of the material, not a yearly average. I don't know what that means, because if you're mastering the material, you shouldn't fail the goddamn class. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, you know, I'm no, I'm no fucking genius. Okay. Um, so it says, which board members say penalizes students who get a low, slow start or who struggle at points throughout the year. Okay, wait, wait a second. So if you struggle at all, you're at a disadvantage. You're going to get a bad grade. So really, it's just you just you just want to pass it. It's just just you know just want why why grade at all? Just have them go through four years, and everyone gets a fucking diploma because that's what you do anyway. Um. This doesn't make any sense. So if you get a slow start or you struggle, penalizes you. Well, that's, that's, that's life. You don't get a fucking break in life. No one gives you extra time. All right? You get fired. So I don't know how these people are going to do. I don't know how these kids are going to do. They're just going to fall behind more and more as time goes on with this stupid shit. Uh, it says, uh, another big change, uh, teachers can no longer consider non-material factors when grading. Things like turning in work on time and classroom be behavior will now instead count towards a student's citizenship grade, not their academic grade. So, do, uh, do, do uh, students who are illegal immigrants still get citizenship grades? Uh, asking for a friend. Um, but... <laughs> So you're not going to penalize. So what, what's the point of having a deadline? So what happens if these kids go out into the workforce and they have to show up to work on time, they have deadlines, they need to do things in a timely matter, uh, manner, and, uh, you know, maybe not be an asshole at work. 
Um, I, I'd really like to see how this plays out. I'm glad I'm like over 40 because I don't have to fucking deal with this shit. And maybe by the time my kid goes to school, some of this fucking retarded stuff will be over with. But, uh, you know, I'm not very optimistic. Um, so, so at the end, uh, it, it says after Patterson, uh, who is probably one of the fucksticks who oversees this shit, uh, he's a school board member. He says, uh, the board will also review potential student disparities stemming from its zero tolerance disciplinary policy on cheating in the coming weeks. Okay. So you're telling me that that there's there is a disparity in students who cheat and if you're caught cheating and you're one of those individuals in an overrepresented group it's okay to cheat um i just don't i don't see how this plays well especially with asians because the thing is like asians are going to come up on the short end of the stick that's just how this stuff is designed all right which brings me To Prop 16, so the election's coming up, as all of you know, um, evidenced by the fact that you've got a bunch of annoying white people on the left uh, telling you to register to vote, um, and then passively implying that you should vote the way they want you to vote. Um, But Prop 16 is a ballot measure that will reintroduce uh, racial preferences in state jobs, um, college admissions, etc. What it effectively does is it repeals Prop 209, which was passed, I want to say, in the late 90s. I want to say like 1996 or something around there. And um, it banned affirmative action. It, it banned racial preferences. And that's not to say that the, the University of California system hasn't found ways to get around that. Um, but that was codified into law. And what this does is it repeals that. So what they're saying is, well, they're trying to pass this under the guise of greater diversity in the UC system, which is complete bullshit, because if you look at the demographics of the UC system, uh, you're going to find that more than 70% of the UC student body is non-white. Yes, more than 70% is non-white. What they're really trying to say to you is they're saying, well, we want more black kids in the UC system. Um, And what's going to happen is that's going to come at the expense of high-achieving Asians. And how are they going to do that? Well, one one of the things that you can do is you can begin to remove all objective measures of academic achievement, and that's something they've already done. So the the University of California system has been ordered to cease using the SAT and ACT for admissions. So standardized test scores are now out the window. All right? But when you get rid of something like this, it makes it much easier for administrators and and bureaucrats to make decisions based on, you know, immutable qualities or subjective things um, when trying to, you know, get a certain group to meet a quota. Um, So, again, 
it's going to come at the expense of mainly Asians, probably some whites. Um, and, you know, for years, you know, the Ivies, when it comes to law school, have, have been letting in blacks and Latinos who score, score on the lower quantiles, by the way, at a much higher rate than whiter Asian students. I took a glance at some of the stats, and I was looking at it, and at the lower, at the lowest quantile, I think one Ivy League school was letting in something like 80% of all applicants. So if you measured in the bottom 20% of all applicants, if you were black or Latino, you had like a 60 to 80% chance of being accepted. And when it came to about the middle, it was 50-50. You know, the highest for any Asian, at, at, I think, at any point was something like, you know, in the teens. Same thing with whites. So, you know, Heather McDonald uh, writes about this in her book, The Diversity Delusion. She chronicles it very well. And you're letting these kids into institutions for which they're just not academically prepared. And so what ends up happening is the attrition rate is very high for these individuals. They drop out of the majors that they went in wanting to study for, like STEM. Um, and then by the time their sophomore year comes around, they either drop out or they major in some bullshit. You know? You know they major in something like, uh, you know, African-American studies or critical race or some, some something uh, you know, some, some social science. So, you know, we're not doing these kids a favor. When they pass Prop 209, and Thomas Sowell points this out, when they pass Prop 209, the black graduation rate went up in the UC system, which is not surprising when you think about it. If you're letting in only the most qualified individuals and it stands to reason those individuals would do better when in that academic setting, and they were they were they were graduated at a higher rate. But it doesn't really matter to the to the racial bean counters. So this is this is this is where it's going here, especially in California, and it's not going to bode well. It's not going to bode well for these people in the future. And like I said, I'm glad I'm over forty because I don't have to fucking deal with this shit. I'm going to eventually move out of this fucking state full of retards. Um, finally, I want to talk about the WNBA. Those of you who listen know how much I love the WNBA. It's my favorite sports league to shit on. Yes, that's right. Um, so I guess what happened was Sue Bird, who is apparently a legendary female basketball player. Uh, she, she spoke about the popularity of the WNBA and not so much about the popularity of the WNBA as it compares to the NBA because there's no comparison. It's not even a discussion you can have with a straight face. Uh, more women watch the NBA than do the WNBA. So that means that women don't even like watching women's professional basketball. Um, but she was talking about the appeal of the WNBA and was comparing it to women's soccer, the U.S. women's national team. And 
she was going into why she thought um, women's soccer was more popular than women's basketball. And so she goes on to say, even though we're female athletes playing at a high level, our worlds, you know, the soccer world and the basketball world are just totally different. Yeah, no shit. Um, no shit. Because uh, I'm going to tell you this right now. People in general who are sports fans, they like watching sports. They'll watch women's sports if they feel like what they're watching is not a different or inferior product. What does that mean? So if I'm watching women's track and field, I don't think I'm watching anything different than men's track and field. They're just slower by about 10%. And that's, that's about, if you look across the world records and you look at the, the top times in the world consistently year over year, the difference is about 10%. Now, again, I'm watching, I'm watching women's sprinting. And I love watching women sprinting. And so I don't feel like I'm seeing anything different. Sure, it's slower, but the thing is, like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not readily apparent that this is a slower race. I mean, I know it is, but it's, it's not something that jumps out to me. It's like, oh, these, these bitches are slow. No, I don't think that. Same thing with women's tennis. I, watch, I love watching women's tennis. I watch women's tennis. I'm like, okay, this is tennis, right? This is... It, it's just what it is. Um, the thing about women's tennis is they get equal prize money uh, as the men, but they p- play less tennis. Men's, men's tennis is best of five, and women's tennis is best of three. So women actually get paid more um, to play tennis than men when you consider that men's matches are longer. Um, and you know, again, same thing with gymnastics. So, and the thing is like, I, and probably like a lot of other people prefer to watch women's gymnastics. When you watch something like that, it looks more impressive when <clears throat> these four foot 10 girls do the things they do. So that's what it comes down to. If you're watching a sport and it's not, you don't think that you're watching something different then it's going to be of interest. You're going to have a fan base. But the problem with women's professional basketball especially is that you're watching this shit, and you can tell this is nowhere near the quality of the man's game. All right? People like watching supreme athletics. And, um, you know, people don't like watching the WNBA and seeing these chicks airball layups. That's not fun. Um, and what's worse is, what's worse is you see a lot of these women who are playing and they, uh, they try to play like dudes with none of the athleticism. That looks stupid. That looks really fucking dumb. You know what that looks like? It looks like 40 year old dudes playing a pickup game at a 24 hour fitness at three in the afternoon. That's what it looks like. So. Obviously, this is lost on Sue Bird. Bird goes on to say, and to be blunt, it's the demographic of who's playing. Women's soccer players generally are cute little white girls, while WNBA players are, well, we're all shapes and sizes, a lot of black, gay, tall women. There is maybe an intimidation factor, and people are quick to judge it and put it down. Uh, Yeah, people are quick to judge it because, um, you know, 
no, again, no one wants to watch these chicks airball layups or, um, you know, do set shots. That's not fun to watch. All right. And I don't know, there, there might be something about it. Uh, but the thing is, um, soccer appeals to more girls. Soccer appeals to more people because soccer players look like most people. Like they look like more, more of a, the percentage of the population than do basketball players. Basketball players are tall. They're like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". Um, almost nobody is that tall, especially women. So, you know, these girls who are... 5-2, 5-4, they look at soccer and they say, you know, I can do that. Or they get into soccer. Um, so I don't know what it is with these chicks in the WNBA, or women's soccer for that matter. I'm not letting these, these people off the hook. They filed that dumbass lawsuit about equal pay. And uh, if you just read through, if you just read through the judge's decision, uh, you'll find that it was all a bunch of bullshit. And anyone who paid attention knew the lawsuit was going to fail. But I digress. Um, it says here that uh, Bird is openly gay and in a relationship with U.S. soccer powerhouse and Captain Megan Rapino. Um, Rapino has been granted a prominent platform to speak on women's and LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ issues. So, Rapino says, uh, when it comes to U.S. women's soccer, the general perception is that, let's face it, we're the white girls next door, the straight, cute, unthreatening, suburban white girls next door. Yeah, guess who plays soccer? Suburban white chicks. You got to appeal to a certain demographic who plays your fucking sport. Kids in the hood aren't playing soccer. All right? It's just it's just not happening. They don't play soccer anyway. Um but no look, to to their credit, uh there's at least um maybe they're being closer to parity in the ratings between the WNBA and the NBA because I guess the this recent NBA Finals lost something like 70% of its uh, viewership from the year prior. So, you know, at least at that point, they find some common ground in uh, who's not watching basketball. All right, well, that'll do it for me. Um, it's getting late. Uh, I, got a, I got a restless baby to tend to. And again, to my tens of listeners, I appreciate you all and um, tune in next time. Have a good night.